0: Man, the Lord is really blessing us through Matthew, and I'm so grateful that he has come to intern with me. And um, I don't know how grateful he's feeling right this moment, but I am grateful. And I'm enjoying Matthew a whole lot. We've, uh, he's already getting to be one of us. We're just really enjoying his ministry. Amen. Aren't you appreciative of the things that Matthew brings here?
1: Let's bring him up
0: and ask him to preach the word to us.
1: Well, good morning. I'd like to start off with reading our scripture today. Um, it's going to come from 2 Kings chapter 6, uh, verses 8 through 17, and I believe it will be on the screen as well. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware of passing that place, because the Armenians are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place identified by the man of God Time and again, Elijah warned the king So that he was on guard in such places This enraged the king of Aram He summoned his officers and demanded of them Will you not tell me Which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord, the king Said one of his officers But Elijah, the prophet who is in Israel Tells the king of Israel The very words you speak in your bedroom Go Find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back later. He is in Duthin. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army of horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elijah prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. Now, I personally have always enjoyed um, eye games and eye pictures as well as Pastor Ken. So this one on the board, on the screen, sorry, is one that we picked. Um, So if someone would know the trick for how to see this, you can easily figure it out. But if you don't know the trick, it becomes hard, and you spend some time looking at it and pondering on it. See, so I'm giving some time, because last night they said I didn't give enough time, and no one could see it. But the thing is, in there, knowing the trick, there are a few circles, uh, there's rows of circles in there, just so you know that's what you're looking at. But anyway, in our current series, we have been looking at um, different changes that happens in a person that are a true change, an inward sit. The inward change the Bible teaches us to happen in our very souls. We've been looking at the important shifts the authors have been talking to us about in our book, Soul Shift, called Me to You. A shift that is changing from a person who is a self-centered, self-promoting, and self-preserving person to someone who's truly living for others and looking at their, need, their needs and being a selflessness person. Last time we met we looked out of this book, we talked about the chapter called Slave the Child, This is recognizing someone who starts out believing that they are unworthy of God's love and unworthy of the the gifts that he has given us. to someone who can truly believe and understand that we are worthy and we are um, able to be with God one day because of what Jesus has done. And with this, we are as well joint heirs with Jesus in eternity. This morning, I'd like to start with looking at the next chapter, which is called Seen to Unseen. And the part I'll be talking about is There's Another Dimension. See, there is another dimension, and we need to know that. And this is a dimension that is almost never heard with a human ear, never seen by a human eye in a vision, and never touched by a human's hand in a tactile way. But this doesn't mean it doesn't exist, because we know the truth that it does. And for me, our scripture talks exactly about that. See, the servant didn't believe in that. And for me, when I was studying this, I was trying to figure out where I would fit in this sermon. And for me, it was the part of the servant because he didn't believe like Elijah did, and there was a good reason for that. See, Elijah was um, a a student underneath Elijah, who we know to be a prophet for Israel as well, that Elijah then took his place. And Elijah, the special thing about him is he never had to taste death. He was taken up to heaven to be with the Lord by chariots of fire, and Elijah was there to witness this. Because of this, Elijah's faith was changed forever. But the servant was more like us, I would say, at least more like me personally. He believed in what he could see and what he knew. So studying this, I put myself in the part of the servant. I can imagine being in a place and waking up the next morning, you know, stretching out, trying to wake up and to get ready for the day, and immediately being shocked and frightened because you now know that there are people surrounding you completely. There's no way out, and the fear would have overtaken me as I imagine overtook the servant. Then the next stage of the verse we talk about is when the servant went into Elijah. The weird that interaction that would have been, to run in and be like, Elijah, Elijah, we are surrounded, we are surely doomed to have this doubt in your life. And then your master to turn to you and be like, do not be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. To get an answer like that to show that there is no fear in him would shock me, as I'm sure it would shock many of us. And that's what it did for the servant. But this was a faith that Elijah demonstrated. And time and time again, he continued to demonstrate his trust by exploring the the king's plans of Aram. And as well, looking at this, I love the part how the servant who was afraid and then realized that Elijah wasn't. And then Elijah turned it again on him and and prayed to the Lord, O Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. And immediately the servant went from seeing a physical world of seeing only humans who were there to attack him to seeing a hill of people, angels, there to protect them, God's army, a heavenly army full of chariots and swords of fire there to surround him and protect him. What a moment that would have been to see a switch in your eyes and your vision to seeing the truth that there is another dimension around us. And as I mentioned before, Elijah knew the truth because of experience he had before of being with Elijah and being a student. See, like I said, Elijah was there when Elijah was taken to heaven. And because of that, he was completely changed with witnessing such an amazing thing. Jesus himself often even spoke of this other dimension, and he referred to it as the kingdom of God. And in the last verse i like to talk about is Mark 1. Jesus as well addresses this and the importance of knowing the truth. In chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, it reads, After John was put into prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Oh, well, thank you so much, Matt, for doing a great job
0: for us. As Mattis just said, there, there is another dimension, and, and that's often not apparent to us. And, and the problem with it, with, with it for us is exactly the problem that the servant had. We experience life through our physical bodies, and we experience life tactily, meaning what we can touch, what we can see here, and, and what happens in this realm, and that's that's just the way we are created and the and the world that we live in and the way that most of the time we interact in this world. Elijah was an an unusual man because he had the gift and the ability and the anointing. You see, Elijah received a double portion of Elijah's anointing. And so he part of that anointing on his life was he was able to see the other dimension. He was able to know by by sight, because he had a special sight given to him by God, that all around, all the time, there was another dimension. And, and that's what Matthew did a great job helping us to remember. I want you to know that that dimension is still here. The kingdom of a God still exists. And it is still present with us. In fact, what I want to say, it's not just here in the generic way. It's here here. It's right next to you. It's existing in you and around you and through you, church. The servant of Elisha was made aware that all of his life, all around him, right next to him, was this other realm. And he had never known it. He had never realized until the moment that Elisha prayed for him and said, God, let him see what I now see. And when that window was opened, suddenly he realized he wasn't the only one there. And, and what I mean by that, it wasn't just human beings that live in this space. I need you to know that the Bible clearly tells us there's a whole other dimension. The kingdom of God is present here. And the Bible speaks a lot about the inhabitants of the eternal kingdom. We'll get to that in just a second. But it speaks to us and tells us that in existence are beings who are invisible to our eyes almost all the time. There are angels, messengers, elders. There are six wing creatures. There's chariots of. Fire, as we read about today, there are demons, there are spirits. All of this is from another dimension. Here's what we need to remember and why this shift is important. I'll get to this a little bit more in a moment. But every one of you will be part of this dimension at some point. You're going to continue to exist when your body stops working. You see, God breathed into you when he created you. An eternal soul. He put into you a soul that will continue to exist throughout eternity. That bears out in the Word of God. The Bible speaks of a great cloud of witnesses that exists today. And someone that you have loved has passed away. I want you to know they're in that dimension, they're there. And we see this powerful lesson, and in, in, in this whole chapter in this particular book in soulship, spend some time helping us to remember that there is another dimension, and it is present with us right now. It is right here. And when his eyes were enabled, Elijah's servant was able to see it. This other dimension is eternal, as I have said. And I could give you many scriptures that support the concept that it is. I will give you three. First Corinthians chapter uh, 15, verse 50. I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does perishable inherit the imperishable. That's what we need to understand, that the part of us that inherits the kingdom of God is not the physical body and the physical world that we live in. We need to see that there's something else about us that inherits the kingdom of God. And if and God willing, you go to heaven, it won't be the body that you're in. It, the part of you that goes to heaven is the real you. Your body is going to be set aside one day, one way or another, when you slip into eternity. Uh, Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, the, the tactile stuff we did, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And then 1 Corinthians chapter four, verse 20, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. It's an awesome, wonderful dimension. It is all inspiring uh, to know that this is here. And I want you to see. That this soul shift is so vital because if we can make it the way that we live the rest of our lives, the way that we treat others, the way that we treat our money and our resources, the things that we spend our time on, how we view the world, everything is going to be greatly influenced and changed. Why do we need to make this shift from seen to unseen? It's because what we see is going away. It's because what we experience in the physical realm in this earth will one day be gone. According to the word of God, it will all be gone. So don't get too attached to the stuff that you like in your house. Okay, don't get too attached to that really cool vehicle that you drive around in or the really nice outfit that you have, because in the kingdom's mindset and the kingdom's economy, that's going away. But there is an eternal side of every human being. And so when we make this shift and we we get past what we only see with our eyes, it really affects the way that we live our lives. Let me spend just a moment to tell you that in the kingdom of God, it does not matter what we look like physically. And I'm glad for that because I wouldn't win any beauty contest. I know that, okay? So I'm glad that it's not about me being all jacked up and muscular and all of that because I'd be in trouble. I get that, okay? And some of you would too. I'm not saying who. But 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 it has nothing to do with what others see. When when we view people from the seen dimension, if you will, with, with the, the way that, let's be honest, most of the world views other people, we judge them. We look at them. We see their appearance. We make judgments about them. Let me tell you, though, that when you move, make this shift from the seen to the unseen, you see past the body, you see past the physical, and you recognize that in them is the image of God, the creator, they're eternal in there. And it helps you in having perspective of how you treat people. It matters very much that Christians, especially I'm talking to you, that we make this shift because it will help us in the way that we treat other people. It will assist us to love them. Because here's something that is true about every person that you will encounter in this world. Every one of them is a human being that God values as much as he values you. And he has a love for them that, that well, according to the word of God, underneath are the everlasting arms of God. And his love endures forever. God has enormous love for even your enemies, which is why Jesus could look around at us and say, listen, you need to love your enemies. Well, if all you can do is view people from the scene generation, from the scene dimension, and you do not realize that the kingdom of God is present with us, then you will view people very, very shallow. In a very shallow way, you will view people in a way that most of the people of the world view them. Oh, how it is important for us to go beyond that and move from the seen to the unseen. Most people invest the lion's shares of their life in this tactile dimension that we live in. We forget that this world and everything will be gone. We forget that our bodies, while important, uh, and they are God's temple, are still temporary. The body, as it is, will not be going to heaven. And that's important for us to know. A person who makes this shift from seen to unseen lives for eternity. And so their values are influenced by the knowledge that there is something more, something much greater, something beyond this world and this life that we live in people who make this shift shift from having worldly values and worldly kingdom values to a godly kingdom value. And in doing so, they become more like Jesus Christ. Jesus certainly lived and taught as one with an atypical mindset. He didn't think or talk like anybody else did. And it's one of the things that created a problem in the eyes of people with Jesus. You know, if Jesus wanted to be popular, it wasn't difficult for him. The Bible tells us that uh, for quite a while in his ministry, so many people would crowd in that they often would almost crush him. It was necessary sometimes for him to get into a boat just to keep from being trampled. And so people people was would gravitate to Jesus. The, the rub came in the way that Jesus expressed values that just contradicted the way that the... the if you will, dimension of the scene have values. I mean, Jesus said things like turn the other cheek when someone strikes you. Love your enemies. Pray for those who use you. Go an extra mile when somebody makes you go one. If someone sues you to take your cloak, give them that and then give them your tunic on top of it. And sell all you have and give it to the poor and follow me. To be the greatest, he said, you'll have to be the servant and slave of everyone. To be the first, you need to be the last. And I could go on and on and on. These are the kind of values that the kingdom of God has, the other dimension has, that rub against the kingdom of this world. Amen? I could start with turn the other cheek. And most of us, if we had a moment to be judgment day honest, would go, "Uh uh-uh, not doing it. Somebody socks me, just get ready because I'm coming back. And most of you would do it. Don't you lie to me. You would. And and that's how it is. Jesus taught in very atypical ways. But his his vantage point was that he came and, in fact, ushered in the kingdom of God here on earth. And it's present right next to you. It's here. In fact, God's presence is in this place. And it's very, very possible that some of his messengers are sitting right here or maybe right on top of Kip's head. I don't know. I don't know how many angels can dance on the head of a pen. I have no idea. But my point is the kingdom of God is right here. You see, a person who has made this shift isn't entangled with the world either. They're not trapped by its values and they're not caught up in those things. And. It's sad to me when Christians are still entangled with the trappings of this world and this lifestyle. We're not enamored, though, when we make this shift or with or swayed by the popular philosophies of this world. In my lifetime, a lot has changed in this country. When I was a little boy, there were certain things that, that society said was evil, and now they call good. And there's a whole lot of things that society said was good that are now somehow hateful and wrong and bigoted and, and evil. This world, uh, there used to be, there was a real old song uh, uh, some years ago um, that I heard, and it was called Living Life Upside Down. And, and it asked this question, you know, what if, what if we think we're knocking on the gates of heaven when we're really pounding on the door of hell? And, and I've watched this transpire in my lifetime and how our values of our world has, have, have just been flip-flopped. And what was evil was, is now good, and what was good is now evil, and all of that happening. And I will tell you, I've watched it happen in the church. Amen, oh my, or ouch. We are adopting some of these values. We're we're sucking in some of the lies of this world to the point where many of us are intimidated. We're afraid to just state the truth. We're afraid to stand for the truth. If we believe the truth, sometimes we're afraid to let others know that we believe that. And I have to tell you that when you make this shift from seen to unseen, you're not you're not swayed by or influenced by the standards of this ever changing world. We have a standard. We have a truth. And I just laid it down. There it is. We I was I had it in my hands when this brother was preaching. This is our standard. And I need to tell you something. It doesn't change. When we move from seen to unseen, we embrace this as the truth. And this is eternal. The word of God will last. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will never pass away, the Lord uh, the Lord Jesus said. So we base our lives, we shift to this book. And if this says it's wrong, my friends, doesn't matter how many people in the world says it's right. I have to tell you that as far as I know, it's still wrong. Let God be the, uh, tell the truth and let every man be a liar. This is the word. And so when we make the shift, we don't have to be influenced by the, the values of this world. It's important to make this shift so that we don't flip-flop all over the place. People who have made this shift. Don't invest heavily in this seen life. Instead, they heed the command of the Lord to not lay up treasures for ourselves on earth where it can be corrupted and stolen and destroyed. But we invest in such a way as to lay up our our treasures in heaven. A person who has made this shift isn't attached too much to this world. We're attached to the kingdom of God. So let me say it this way. I know I live in this world, and I know I have to, and, I, and that's the way God created me to re- relate, and I love this world, I love people of this world. But really, I'm not a citizen of this world. I'm a citizen of that other dimension. Those chariots and, and those beings that were there to protect Elijah, I belong with them. I have moved, and I have made this shift from what is here to another dimension and so have you if you have trusted in the king of kings and the lord of lords jesus christ this is an important shift to make we move by faith the bible says not by what we see a person who has made this shift doesn't waste a lot of time being upset over things that don't really matter in eternity anyway may i ask you a very personal question why hold a grudge What difference will your holding a grudge make in eternity except to hurt you? What does it matter? You know what? Paul in 1 Corinthians chided believers who were taking other believers to court over the issue of the fact that they owed them money. And instead of. Just dealing with it and working it through, they got mad and they were suing one another in the church. And Paul chided them and he asked the question in the middle of his discourse about this. He asked, Why not rather be wronged than to do something like that? Why can't you? Why, see, Paul had a, he moved from seen to unseen. Why can't you see the value of that human being and love them like Jesus does? And why not just write it off? Don't you think God will provide for you? Why let this thing destroy you? Why hold a grudge? Why sue? You know what? I love Paul for that. And Paul had moved. He had made this shift. He says, I am not going to waste my life walking around angry at people. I am not going to waste my life holding grudges. I am not going to waste my life away being mad because somebody took advantage of me. It's better that I'm wronged than I to couple it up with a bitter court battle. Who wins in the end? Even if I get the money, I lost my brother. I lost my sister." That relationship is broken. Somebody who moves from, uh, makes this shift, this soul shift from seen to unseen, values people way above money. Values people and relationships with people way above money. The, the earthly, tactile thing that we live with. So when you make this shift, it helps you have a perspective in life that changes. Because we are aware that we don't belong to this world anyway. And so we don't get ourselves so worked up about things that don't really matter in eternity. Oh, I, I'm embarrassed to say this. But if you think I'm a Redskins fan now. You should have seen me when I was younger. Sadly, maybe you shouldn't have actually, but it was kind of ridiculous. Man, I I I like football a whole lot. I enjoy watching football. Always will. I I was a big big fan of the Washington Redskins from way back. So I was I was alive. This is how old I am. I was alive when they were winning Super Bowls and. They were awesome to me. That was the word I used. Oh, they're awesome. You know, I get all excited because my redskins won. As if I did anything to contribute to it. It didn't matter. They were my team. And my poor wife, after she married me, about by the time I married my wife, the Redskins were starting to make their, their slide down to the bottom of the division, toward the bottom of the football world. And, and there was a while when the Redskins were sort of a laughing stock. And man, I would watch a game, and it was this, it, you would think I was like totally invested in this game. And emotionally, I just wasted so much energy getting upset watching a football game. And if they lost, I'd be in such a bad mood. I'd be so angry. I'd walk around saying, you're just a bunch of losers. I'm shouting at them. They don't know me. I'm telling 300 pound men with muscles big enough to squash me like a little grape. I would, t- I'd shout at the TV, you- you're just a weak little sissy. I'm thinking, what do you say? You know, I would just get all worked up and I'd be angry at them if they would lose it. And then I'd be mad at referees and I'd, oh, it's a conspiracy. It was ridiculous. And one day the Lord spoke to me about this, and I'm I'm up preaching the word of God, then going home and getting like this. It's the dumbest thing ever. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me, actually used my wife, as he often does. And he just pointed out to me, Ken, why are you so worked up? What does it matter in the scope of eternity that the Redskins lost the game today? And then, of course, my wife was used of God when I would be driving down the road and people weren't acting the way I think they should act. If everybody drove like me, it would be a great world to me. And when they drive differently and, you know, they clog up the mess and they do weird things and then get mad at me because I'm irritated, I don't get it, you know. And I, I would sit there and my wife would, i get in a traffic jam. This is about the same period. And my wife, I'd be so mad. I'd, ru- I'd ruin a trip. It would ruin my trip. And my wife would say, In the scope of eternity, what does this matter? Why are you so mad? And you know what? She was 100% right. I was going with seen. And I needed to shift to unseen. Why do we get twisted up so much and caught so much up in this world? I need to say something to you. Whether you like who's left in our presidential election or not. And I'll just be I'll be transparent and say, I don't particularly do. But whether you like who is is now left for our presidential election or not, here's what I do know. My king of kings is still king of kings, whoever president is. Amen. Amen. President Obama isn't over Jesus Christ. Jesus is over President Obama. And, and so whatever happens, I can still trust in the Lord. And by the way, there's no elections for his post. Jesus reigns forever and ever. And he, he's worthy of his title of king of kings and Lord of lords. Man, I used to get so worked up about ridiculous things. And it would mess with me. And I'm just trying to say it's time for us to move from seen to unseen. There's a lot more that I could talk to you about, and I'm, I'm going to cut it out. I'm not going to do it because it, he preached short and I preached long. But I do want to just ask a few questions and ask you to consider a couple of things. How are you making out in this shift? Because let me let me talk first to anyone here who doesn't have a current relationship with the Lord. And really, in your heart of hearts, you know if you're right with God or not. I just need to remind you of this one fact, and I just ask you, have you considered the fact that there is an eternal kingdom, the kingdom of God? This other dimension that you can't see exists, and it's as real as the chair you sit in. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for eternity? Are you thinking about eternity? Is that in your mind? I want to talk now to some Christians. Somebody here probably is struggling. Maybe you're at the brink of giving up because you prayed for things and they haven't happened the way you thought they would. Life is is catching up. Things are hard. It's frustrating. And from your perspective of the seen world, you're just being pummeled. And you just feel like, you know, I don't know if I can press on. I don't know if I can believe anymore doubts flooding into your hearts and you're just struggling. And maybe you're shifting backwards from unseen to seen and saying, until God shows me something, I'm not so sure I want to believe. I don't mean to be unkind to you, but you're hurting yourself, not God. That's injuring you. I'm I'm asking you, can you exercise faith again in that which you cannot see? Can you believe that this kingdom of of God exists and can you trust in a God you don't see or you don't uh, you don't audibly hear most of the time? And can you begin to believe again and put your faith in the Lord God? I'm asking you to consider doing that. I'm asking you to say, Lord, I need to renew my faith and strengthen me because I'm on the brink. I'm struggling. I've been cast into this doubt and this this hurt and I need you.